Welcome to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. I am your host, Landon McCool, and it's just me today, flying solo. Marcus is out on assignment, or whatever it is that you say generally when people are not on the show that day. Marcus is not here today. So, guys, it's just you and me, and I got a whole bunch of Twitter questions that we're going to answer. Uh, we're going to have a we're going to have a great pod. There isn't a ton of news out there. We, you know, we kind of covered what's going on. You know, the the uh, COVID situation is kind of changing and ongoing, and, and, and teams are starting to report for training camp this week. So we, we, we'll definitely be touching on that uh, on our third podcast this week for sure. Uh, but th- I thought today would be a good day to actually just kind of talk strictly football stuff. And so we're going to discuss some of the questions that you guys have uh, brought us back on Twitter Guys, each week we do this too, so make sure you get questions in uh, to the Locked On Cowboys account. Send them to uh, at Marcus underscore Mosier or send them to me at Landon McCool. Uh, or I'm sorry, at McCoolBCB on Twitter. <clears throat> and we will uh, we will answer them on here. So let's get right into it, shall we? Let's start with Gabriel. And at Gabriel AU23 asks... Does it worry you that they haven't brought in any competition for Chris Jones? He used to be so reliable for us as recently as two or three years ago. But due to injuries or whatever it is last year and the year before, it was a complete disaster. Is there anyone on the market still good? Uh, you know, I think it's I think it's a fair question. I mean, you know, special teams is does get lost in the shuffle a lot and, and when we discuss things and... Um, you know, obviously, the when, when it does get discussed, especially lately, we've been discussing the kicker because of all the problems the Cowboys had specifically last year, uh, and and you know just it being an ongoing topic week to week, it kind of ate into all the uh, all the d- discussion time for special teams that's allotted in a podcast or in, a, in an article, what what have you. Uh, I you know obviously I think you know looking back at his performance last year. Uh, and and, and the, the, Gabriel brings up two in the last two years. I, I think the last year specifically, you know, was the standout year for for you know his bad performance. Um, and I think that generally speaking, uh, it sounds like the Cowboys are are prepared to you know go into the season with Chris Jones again, uh, kind of pencil with with you know with shades of pen uh, written in as the starter for the punter for next season <clears throat> he's gonna be 31 years old and I think that you know if even just looking at the stats uh you know there has been a clear drop off uh I think since 2016 and just his yards per punt I mean last year uh, you know it, it went from well I mean, in 2016 he he was averaging 45.9 yards per punt uh, and then the last two seasons, it dropped down to just above 44 yards, uh, 44.1 at 2017, 44.5 at 2018. And then last year, it dropped precipitously, three three yards down. And that, I, I think a lot of that, again, is fairly you know, attributed to his uh, back and groin injuries. You know, I think that whole his whole lower chain had issues. I, I think there's very legitimate questions as to which, whether or not how well he can come back from that. It, it frankly is scary how similar it sounds to what, um, what went on with, with uh, Dan Murray. And, and, and I think, you know, you look at how the lower chain kind of uh, 
it, 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 it really feeds into it, that, that kind of groin, um, uh, you know, back area, it seems like, especially for kickers and punters, uh, really seems to be kind of a, a, a spot where once they start overcompensating for one, um, then they start 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 experiencing the injury in other spots, right? It usually starts at the back, uh, and, and, it, and it moves to to kind of uh, the, the you know the, the groin area because they try to overcompensate. That's you know that's really what happened with Dan Bailey is that I I think you know if, if I'm not mistaken he slept on it bad you know one one day and then and then he get you know he's he's got a bad back suddenly and then he's trying to overcompensate and then it just kind of goes back and forth so. I certainly think there is some concerns that that there was there isn't any competition. I, I, I well, I mean, I, I'll say this: I think there would be concerns that if there is no competition at all. I guess where we'll find out whether or not that is something that is you know where we're going to find out if there's competition will be in training camp. I, you know, there's still guys like you, know, you asked if, if there were people still out there, uh, Dan. Colquitt, I think, who's a kick, the punter for the for the uh, the the Chiefs. I think he's really, really getting old. I mean, you know, you concern, you're concerned about a punter at th- at 31 with some injuries at Chris Jones, but this guy's you know 38. So there's a couple of guys out there, including uh, Marquette King, who who appeared to be punting the ball a lot better when he was punting in the XFL. I know a lot of people have discussed that. So these guys are still available and still out there. So I wouldn't really necessarily completely write in Chris Jones's name as the the walk-in for sure starter week one um, just because there is opportunity for those guys still to come in and, and try out but I, I you know I, I I at this point he has to be the, the, the leader in the clubhouse considering right at right now there is no one in the clubhouse uh, besides him I just think that the, the the time period for signing punters isn't over yet either so let's let's give the Cowboys the benefit of doubt. Let's see what happens if training camp if they bring a guy in, and let's also give Chris you know Jones a, a chance. If he, maybe he has healed up, and maybe uh, he comes in and kicks the ball really well, and, and we don't have to worry about that. I mean, obviously, I think a part of the of what's going on here is uh, you know the fact that he had signed a, a, a deal and he's at the t- tail end of a deal. I think the Cowboys will save a little bit of money. I think it's something like two million dollars if they if they cut him, especially if they were to get a, like a free agent there. Um, but you know, I think ultimately, it, the best case scenario for the Cowboys at this point would be a healthy Chris Jones coming back and coming something closer to form than what we're used to. Okay, that was about five minutes on the punter. I think I think that should tide everybody over for punters for a little while. Um, Lone Star uh, at Kevin Coleman TX uh, says, now that the Eagles have brought back Peters to play right guard, which starting offensive line group would you rather have between them and the Cowboys? Does the answer change if you add in the reserves? I think this is a good question. Um, I think if you look at what the Cowboys have right now, it's a lot of uncertainty. Um, but I think that there is a lot of talent. I think that, you know, again, we as we've discussed with the Cowboys offensive line, there's a lot of unknown there, but they have a lot of good answers for the question marks that they have in their spots. I think Leo Collins is rising to a level that you could start talking about him and, and, and uh, Zach Martin and Tyron Smith being kind of the, the new elite three in that offensive line as he starts to ascend to a spot where 
uh, maybe Frederick was it, 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 it at his position at, at part of his career when he retired. So, uh, so I think you've got three excellent players at their position in the two tackles and Zach Martin. And then obviously a lot of uncertainty at the middle part of the, of, the, of the position, at the center and the left guard position. I think you feel pretty good about a guy like Connor Williams coming back, at least I do, uh, and playing well at left guard this year. And I think you know maybe even taking further a step uh, at the left guard position. And if not, you like – I think I liked a lot of what I saw uh, on his college tape of Connor McGovern. Uh, maybe he's able to come in here – uh, and, and really give you good snaps there. I think, like I said, there's some good answers there for sure. Um, and then at center, you know, it's it's really a question of whether Tyler Biotish can come in here and, and take the job from Joe Looney. You know, Joe Looney's kind of the floor at the position. Biotish uh, has some potential, obviously some upside there. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you see what you've got. Either way, you've got a, a pretty solid uh, backup at, at the center position. You throw in Cam Irving, who I know is not anyone's ideal to start anywhere near the, any five of the starting positions, but I think a guy who has started in the NFL, who has experience playing at literally all five positions, uh, is an incredibly versatile and valuable backup uh, if you were to lose someone during a game. Throw in Brandon Knight, who I, I, I hope uh, is going to take another step and be a, a guy that they could rely on potentially as a swing tackle. We don't really know what we're getting out of Mitch Hyatt, but uh, you know maybe he'll come in and give you something. I think the Cowboys just have a, a, and Adam Redman. I don't want to forget Adam Redman, who I really liked, and I think is also someone who should be considered in that center mix. I, I think the Cowboys have a lot of really good answers at, at all five positions and backups. Um, you know, I think if you're talking about frontline starters, yeah, Jason Peters for the Eagles steps in at right guard. You know, I don't really know what what Peters at right guard looks like. I mean, his athleticism is what made him such a special tackle. Um, I think he still has incredible power and strength to him. But it's a different position playing inside. You have to operate with less space. And sometimes being more athletic and rangy than the way Jason Peters is, you know, that's the way you win. You kind of lose that ability to be like that because that's not as valuable playing in space. So uh, it's about more initial quickness and power and, 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 you know, it's, it's, I don't, it's not that I think he'll be a bad guard, but I think that we look at the name Jason Peters and we have a, a set standard of what kind of play that guy played at when he was at the left tackle position. And now you're asking him not only to play on the other side of the line, which is difficult swapping, uh, you know, mindsets and techniques from right and the left and changing footwork, but also moving inside to, to right guard. So, uh, I, I think that there's a lot of questions, uh, you know, I guess I'll put it this way. I think there's more questions for Jason Peters playing guard than a lot of people would su- suspect just because he's such a, a great veteran. I, I wouldn't, would I be surprised if he were to step in seamlessly and play well? No, because I think Jason Peters is a great player. Would I be surprised if he stepped in and, and, and was not the same player? No, because I think what, what they're asking him to do is not as easy and straightforward as everyone wants to, uh, to believe. So, uh, I, I, I'll, it will be an interesting transition to, to be sure. Uh, and then, you know, Jason Kelsey is still who, who he is. I think he's kind of maybe fallen off just a little bit, but, I, you know, still a, a solid player at center for sure. Isaac Samalu is not as good at guard 
Uh, and I think that really that's where things start kind of falling off for them. It, and, you know, Brandon Brooks is is there, but they're you know they're dealing with injuries and stuff. I I think that you know they have Andre Dillard at left tackle. I think you know Jason Peters is probably a solution there, and they can put somebody in at guard to kick Peters out as their swing tackle if they need to. You know, I I just think that if you're looking at the kind of the next you know answers for for injuries and answers solutions for injuries i think the cowboys have more bodies at the position right now uh and and even you know i i think it's very evenly matched though I, I just because i think there are some question marks at at some of the positions in the same way that the cowboys have question marks uh and and i just i i wonder if the cowboys don't just have one or two more good answers at their positions than the eagles do but maybe the Eagles have the more, uh, let's how should I say this? The, the maybe you know the Eagles' offensive line, starting offensive line, may walk in week one uh, at a better level than the Cowboys. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys quickly overtook them and then were the better offensive line uh, down the stretch at the end of the season, just because some youth there that that could quickly quickly get better at the position. All right, I think that's a good spot. Let's take a break and we will circle right back. Okay, guys, uh, next question from WGC Reason, uh, at Reason33WG. With it looking for, uh, for with it looking for unlikely Gregory is playing, how co- confident are they in Alden Smith opposite D-Law and still any chance we look at Clowney or Griffin? Uh, well, first, I'm I still not ready to completely rule out uh, Gregory, because I think you know even Stephen. This is a, in reference to a Clarence Hill story, and, and even Clarence uh, added a, an addendum at the end when Stephen Jones reached out uh, to him and said, "Hey, let we're we haven't given up hope yet, uh, but we're but you know we're 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 moving ahead, but we haven't given up hope." Uh, so so that's where we are with Gregory. As far as the, to answer the question, if if he doesn't come back. You know, I think Alden is is obviously you know going to be a huge part of this plan. You've got Bradley and Nye. You know, depending on the looks and the fronts, you still got Tyrone Crawford who they, they like coming back, uh, and then you mix in guys like Dorrance Armstrong. Um, I you know I think when you you add all that in plus the you know the amount of blitzing and, and the kind of changes and maybe the level of aggressiveness and and, and the changes of, of the types of. Of, of ways that they're rushing the passer or they're trying to get to the passer. I, I'm thinking that hopefully that should be enough to kind of, uh, you know, compensate for that. And, and also at the same time, you know, I think obviously even in a best-case scenario, I don't think anybody was relying on Randy Gregory. You know, I I, I, I don't think that the, the Cowboys are going to be left in the lurch if if – Randy Gregory doesn't, at least in their minds, because I, I just have a hard time believe believing that they were relying and making plans centered on Randy Gregory showing up. So I, I think they've always viewed it as a kind of icing on top, uh, a cherry on top, if you will. And so if he doesn't show up, I, I think that they, they are satisfied with the guys they have in place. And I think, like I said, you know, you, you talk about Alden Smith, you talk about uh, Bradley and I, and then you talk about you know guys like Dorrance Armstrong who are kind of getting new looks with the new coach, new coaching staff. Tyron Crawford is still there, so he can still give you that. Um, so I, I think that they have answers, and you know if they're playing a four man front, that they've they still got plenty of bodies there to, to play the position. Uh, and then again on top of that, they also 
probably have a more creative or, or at least uh, they, they're willing to deploy more creative solutions to try to get after the passer as well. Uh, Austin D. Mitchell asks, I'm on the DAC train, but sorry, I can't read his Twitter handle. Uh, I'm on the DAC train, but given this year's offensive arsenal, do you see DAC and the Cowboys being put in the same position as Baker Mayfield and the Browns in regards to it being a make-or-break year in regards to the Dallas and DAC relationship? Um, I don't know if it's make-or-break. I, I think that uh, I understand the sentiment that you know, with all the stuff that's happening with with the contract and with all the things in place, uh, you know, it, it kind of you know maybe that add some um, animosity, uh, but while also uh, tantalizing weapon weaponry. So it, it kind of feels similar to what was going on with Baker in, in Cleveland. But, you know, I, I think that Dak has been a, has proven himself to be able to, to, you know, put up big numbers and, and perform at a high level for period, long periods, long stretches of time. Uh, and, and has consistently been a very, very good quarterback. I don't think that, you know, not that Baker isn't that, but I think that Baker has been very volatile at times. And I think that his personality comes off that way too. Um, so I think that, that there's a lot of, you know, high emotion animosity. And, you know, he's a, he's a trash talker. So when he fails, it, it's, it's very spectacular. Um, I, I think with Dak, you know, he's going to come in, he's going to put his head down and work hard, regardless of whether he's being on, on the franchise tag, regardless of whether he's making, you know, the, the long-term deal. Um, I, and I also think that the relationship between the Cowboys and, and Dak is, is a lot more solid than, uh, than you know, it's it, the general perception is because of this contract situation. I, I just don't know that there's that much animosity there. We just, we just, we're not inside those negotiations. We don't know what the tone is like. We don't know what Dak's feeling. Um, so I, I think it's, it, it's, it's kind of tough to compare the situations, but I understand, you know, where that's coming from. Uh, let's take one more quick break, and then we got a couple questions to finish this out strong. All right, uh, let's let's burn through some quick ones. Uh, White the Great uh, at Cowboys for Life. Asked, do you see any trades happen before the start of the season? If so, uh, and what position would we fill with the trade? I don't see any trades happening before the season. Simply, be, you know, maybe before cutdown happens, you know, some UDFA's and and, and you know, traded for uh, uh, future picks or something like that, because or people that are going to get cut, get getting traded, so they don't, you know, they don't have to compete with them in the open market. That sort of thing. I don't know about any big trades before the before the season, just because I think there's so much uncertainty right now. No one's trying to make big swings at this point, especially with the the numbers coming back and the sobering reality that the contract, uh, the salary cap could be lower next year. It, it probably will put a freeze on a lot of the, you know advanced moving of, of players around the, the league. Uh, at uh, Ricker NFL asks, take away Dak, the next four plus year contract goes to. Hmm. I'll say uh, Xavier Woods. I th- or, yeah, I think you know one of the defensive backs, Xavier Woods, maybe Chidobe. You know, they're up this year. Maybe uh, Jordan Lewis. I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to re-sign at least one of those guys. You know, pretty soon before the season started because they liked him a lot. Xavier Woods is a guy who really feels like he's he's played well. Uh, if they see a lot of good stuff from him early in the season, I wouldn't be surprised if they approach him for a new contract uh, before the year is up. Uh, at I bleed I underscore bleed underscore blue three 
How much do you think Garrett changed slash overruled more in the game plan last year? You know, I think the, the way usually it probably works with a coach that has an offensive play caller as well is that they have a, a game plan. They have a discussion on how they want to attack the team all week. They go into the, the game with a whole bunch of plays that they know that they want to get called or they like in certain situations. And then the coach is the guy to say something to the extent of, all right, it's third and three, let's run the ball here. And, you know, and that's where, that's how he's influencing it. He's, he's, you know, he's paring down the selection of plays and the type of plays for the play caller to ultimately make the kind of decision. Maybe, maybe he will uh, suggest a specific play. Maybe he won't. But I think usually that's the way it seems to work is, you know, they have a, a play sheet that has the plays, the, 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 Head coach makes a general decision of what the direction is of the play that they want. You know, uh, let's run the ball. It's third and three. They have a certain amount of plays, and the, and the offensive coordinator kind of chooses from that. So that's really where his influence is being made. Is is where, you know, maybe more would have called a play on the third and three that Garrett is trying to run the ball. That sort of thing. Finally, uh, from at O A M A G D, what matters more preseason games? Or running backs. And obviously this was for Marcus, and it's really just a shame that he's not here to uh, expound on this. Um, and, I, and I think that actually, you know, at, at, this is very present as we, as we are, you know, hearing the announcement that they are going to have no preseason games. I, I, I'm going to take this opportunity to kind of discuss uh, the, the, the downside here to not having any preseason games. Uh, let me preface all this by saying, you know, I don't think that any football is healthy right now as far as COVID situations go. So any consideration with COVID is obviously in this conversation just being side sidetracked because or sidebarred because I, I don't find them playing any football to be a you know healthy or safe situation in the COVID world. But if they're going to do it and we're talking about it. I understand why they are uh, uh, skipping the preseason because of that. However, I think it is scary a little bit the fact that they're going to try to play a uh, regular season football game, uh, 16 regular season football games, with zero preseason games. And even more than that, it's the schedule got released today for these you know, training camp schedules. And they're only going to have about eight padded practices before they're playing full speed football. Now, again, keeping in mind, I understand that that this is obviously all for COVID, you know, consideration. If, if it was really for COVID consideration, none of this would be being done. But here we are. And because of that, they're going to try to limit things, and I get that, to eight padded practices. I have concerns not just about the quality of football that we are going to see on week one of the NFL season. I think that's an obvious concern. Everyone will probably adjust their expectations for that sort of thing. I have concerns about injuries. I have concerns about players not being ready to tackle at full speed and, and, and feeling the pressure to perform like a regular season football game because it's a money game. I, I think that these are things that are, are, are things that are we all should be thinking about or considering is that there's very real concerns about how good the football is going to look, but the other side of that coin is 
are these players not ready to play full speed f- f- NFL football yet? And, and, and have they practiced enough to do so? And you also have to consider the fact that those eight practices are, you know, besides being very few in number for any one player to, to get themselves ready for the NFL season, what happens if someone gets hurt, misses all of the padded practices? So, you know, I, I think to, to kind of go back to the question, uh, I think that both running backs and preseason games matter. They, they do have some impact. Now, I think that people have consistently for years overvalued both preseason games and running backs. And I think that we should adjust the value of those two positions, two thing, entities accordingly. But I, I, I don't think that, you know, that they, they don't make any difference. And I think that we're going to kind of test that theory a little bit with, with, uh, without any preseason games this year. I, I certainly think that the number of preseason games should come down overall. Uh, I just think, you know, not playing any preseason games is also is going so far the other way that it's likely to have a negative effect. Whew, that's it, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, check in with us a little bit later in the week. We will. Uh, I'm not sure if Marcus will be back later in the week, but if not, you'll definitely get to hear me again by ourselves. Just you and me. We don't have to have Marcus interrupting us, bothering us. It's just you and me. We can have a conversation about how running backs really do matter, and Marcus is wrong. And he won't interrupt us. It's great. But make sure you guys check us out. Uh, follow Marcus at Marcus underscore Mosier. Follow me at McCoolBCB. Uh, and follow the account at Locked on Cowboys. And until next time, happy trails, everybody.